Now recording. Hey, we're back. The sibling twins are here again. Um, <laughs> we're opening for Darling Heart next R. week. R.I.P. Darling Heart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what if the cold opening... What if the cold opening for this episode was just us playing James Bond? <laughs> you mean the actual song? Well, I was like, just, just put on a movie. Just find a line in one of the movies, like, and just hit play and let him be the cold opening. <laughs> <laughs> you just have a Roger Moore going, shake it, not stay. <laughs> yeah, and that's the entire the whole cold opening. And then we, we just go do 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 I... All I remember from the opening of Casino Royale is like just it opens with the chase scene and explosives and everything. And then it's just James Bond after sitting there to get like a vaccination shot or whatever. And he gets it and goes, ow. Like he didn't like blink or flinch throughout any of the other shit. And he took damage, you know, like he was bleeding. It's called Um, adrenaline. (laughs) But then he's sitting on this whatever. It's just deadpan. Ow. (laughs) Honestly, Daniel Craig <laughs> is thought, a very good James Bond. And I thought that was going to be the part that you were like, yeah, I'll just clip that like out with no context. It, it would be also funny if we quip, if, if we clip modern Q or John Cleese Q. Be careful, 007. <laughs> you know, like. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The uh, twatty British voice. Um... I mean, my favorite thing about that is that John Cleese Q was trying to be, like, a serious Q, right? Like, he wasn't as playful as the old guy Q. He was supposed to be this silly... He was supposed to be less silly and more, like... Good evening, 007. But it's John But it's Cleese. John Cleese, right? So it's automatically, like... It's like the, the plug-in rules of silly. Like, you're not gonna... Nothing John Cleese does will ever not be right. Silly. Exactly, and so him playing <laughs> by transitive it, right, but him playing Q in a not funny way was still very funny. <laughs> like, oh wait, wait, no, what is the equation? It's uh, serious Q times John Cleese by transitive property will also be silly Q or something like that. Uh, fuck, I forget how math works. That's a good opening. You're saying that we're talking about John Cleese. You say that equation. Fuck, I forget how math works. Intro. Okay, ready? Took us long enough. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> this podcast is rated NSFW. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a podcast called Titles with Yuan's sister and Ari's brother. Give us titles, and we'll give you stories. Welcome back to a podcast called Title. This is probably title a title called podcast. This is probably episode 11. And we're going to pretend like it is and no one can, no one can us. call us on it, frankly. Uh, we are the Sibling Twins. And thank you for listening. Why does that sound like a sign off? Oh, yeah, that's right. What if we just ended the episode there? <laughs> <laughs> Cut, that's it. That's the whole that's the we whole are the thing. Twins, and thank you for listening. We pick titles. So titles, we're just going right in. I was there more to say? Uh we'll choose four titles. Right, sorry, I disassociated for a bit. You wanna take it? 
<laughs> okay. Uh, this is uh, a, a podcast where the sibling twins will choose from a big well of titles, sometimes listeners submitted, sometimes not, and we will uh, each choose two, creating a, a list of four, and then we roll a magic D4, which is a four-sided dice, looks like a pyramid, and we will get a, um, a, a title out of that, which we will then spin a, a, an improv story out of. There's also a challenge house where we pick a SAT word of the day, and that becomes uh, that becomes our challenge that we have to use in the story. And if we if we fail, look, my tongue went weird in my mouth. Maybe words come out funny. <laughs> If we don't use the word, we go to the penalty box. The penalty box is hell. Don't send us there, please. <laughs> How'd I do? Did I get it? Passable. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not usually the podcast explainer. Ari is. She has a good, concise routine for that down. I do not. So forgive me, but that's how I describe this podcast to the human. Um, okay. Title 1, so you just caused your first apocalypse, a how-to guide. Title 2, the misadventures of Bodega Cat. Title 3, cold case, a deli meat mystery. And title 4, tears of joy at the AutoZone. So I'm rolling the dice here. We got a 3. Which was what? And <laughs> the, cold, the cold case, a deli meat mystery. All right. Okay. And our SAT word of the day is predecessor. Noun, someone who comes before you. Usually in position or office. Is it really? I guess it is. Yeah. Yeah, my predecessor okay. told me that uh, right, I yeah, would get yeah. paid $500 for this, but uh, apparently I'm not going to get that, so I think I might just quit and become someone else's predecessor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, sorry, uh, the, the, the cold case, a deli meat mystery by Elon's sister and Ari's brother. It was always questionable at camp when it was cold cut day. Everyone would crowd around and try to figure out what the mystery cold cuts were. Because, you see, the lunch people never labeled them. And when asked directly, they also wouldn't give a straight answer. And it was very disconcerting to the kids of the camp as to uh, what that meat was. They would worry... That it was uh, something maybe not legal or maybe just expired. You, you know, that it, was, it was a questionable choice. And they, they had something of a lottery established to see who would be brave ordering the deli meat and trying to figure out what it was. Identify it, so to say. 
And it wasn't just the kids at the camp either. The feelings were reinforced by the counselors, because the counselors had been kids, many of them had been kids at this camp when they were of camp age. And this, so, some of them even told the kids in the bunks at night that they swore the deli meat was the exact same deli meat from when they were campers. That there were rumors that they just took a tray of deli meat and they continually brought it back into the kitchen and put it back out without replacing a single slice. The rumors were horrifying. But one night, a camper who would soon become legend, Elaine St. Germain. Oh, what a good name. Right? Uh, decided that she was going to crack the mystery of the, col- the, the deli meat. <laughs> she was going to figure it out. So she roped in a couple of her friends, and they, they started plotting and planning. This was going to be an intense operation. They had to get some of the boys' bunks in on it, the girls' bunks. It was a whole age group, the whole, the whole group, the whole cohort. Even a few counselors. Hmm? Even a few counselors. Even a few counselors were in on this intensive planning. The counselors sneak tips on where the kitchen doors were and what remained locked at night and what wasn't locked at night. Oh, my God. <laughs> they made scouting plans. They figured out the routes that the... Um, yeah, I was going to say they drew out rat, map routes. Map <laughs> routes. They, they figured out the routes that uh, the, the patrols would take, um, the counselor <clears throat> patrols. It was all set in stone. Elaine was ready. It was time. She was going to live up to her amazing name and become a legend that night. And so it came about. It was time to go. The lights went out. The counselors left for for patrol. And Elaine was out of bed. And the girls (coughs) of her bunk lined the walls and opened the back door Two were keeping watch, peeking out through the mesh windows. And Elaine snuck out the back and began her adventure. Elaine first made her way past bunk number 14. Bunk number 14 was a guy's bunk. And she had already planned to have two of the boys from that bunk join her on this excursion. Because they were going to help her lift her up so she could climb into the window of the kitchen because that was one of the entrances that the counselors had, had, had gone over with her. And since Elaine was small enough, she would be able to creep along the, the floors very quietly and out of sight. So she stopped by the bunk and John and Eric both came out and they, they said, okay, we're ready to go. And she looked at Eric and was like, why do you have a flashlight, you idiot? Turn off the flashlight, they'll see us. So they so Eric quickly shut off the flashlight and they went in in the into the darkness toward the toward the kitchen. <clears throat> and they they uh, there was a moment where the, the, the camp groundskeeper in his golf cart drove by and the kids had to jump into the woods and hide behind a tree. But as he pa- after he passed and their hearts were beating and, and their breathing was was quick but shallow. They, they 
slinked back around the tree and head right to the kitchen. And they got to the kitchen and looked into the window, peered just over the edge. And they saw their, their entry point and saw what looked like a hollow tree stump sort of a ways away in the middle of the kitchen. They couldn't tell in the darkness, but that's what it looked like. So, Eric and John propped Elaine up and she crept in through the window. Her first instinct was obviously to check out the tree stump because what was that doing in the middle of the kitchen? And the curiosity did eat at her, but she was on a mission. She needed to find out what was happening with the deli meat. That would be her claim to fame. And more than, more than the fame or glory involved, she just really fucking wanted to know what was up with that deli meat. So, she crept around the kitchen on the hunt for the cold case where the meat would be kept. She first checked the freezer as any logical, you know, meat-keeping place. And, uh, aside from being very cold... I think refrigerator. Yeah, well, I'm getting there. Aside from being very okay. cold and having a, <coughs> a bunch of uh, f- frozen meals, like like a frozen fish stick type situations, um, and like okay, and 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 like, va- like. and vats of like ice cream. <laughs> um, okay, okay, at the deli. Okay. Oh, right. It's a camp. It's right. a camp. Right. It's a camp kitchen. Uh, right. There was no sign of deli meat. And when she thought about it, that did... Also, also the frozen chicken nuggets. Also frozen sure. chicken nuggets, for sure. When she thought about it, that did actually make sense, because when her dad would buy deli meat, he kept it in the fridge. So she backtracked, closed the freezer, and checked the fridge. In the fridge, she saw nothing that resembled deli meat. At any turn, there were produce and, and, and canned goods, but there was no... Deli meat. So she backtracked out of the fridge and tried to creep along the kitchen searching for any other evidence or, or cold cases where the meat might be kept. Or maybe not in a cold case because, after all, one of the theories is that it's perpetually rotted. So she began checking every cabinet that she could as quietly as she could. What she didn't account for was that the kitchen staff would also have patrols. She had to quickly duck under one of the uh, shelving, like the the counters with the metal space underneath that she she quickly ducked inside or under it uh, to hide as the door to the kitchen pushed open. The kitchen staffer walked in and stopped. She, since she was under the table, she was really looking at the legs only. So she saw a pair of legs walk in and face toward where the tree stump was, but then stop and turn to look around the kitchen, it looked like. Uh, she held her mouth and her nose to try and keep her breath as stifled as possible. She was worried that the owner of the pair of legs may have 
heard her. But after what felt like an excruciatingly long time, but was really only about a minute, <clears throat> the legs walked toward the tree stump. And then she heard a voice call down and say, Okay, the coast is clear. You can come out. And then she heard some gruff voices, which accent-wise she thought may have come from Brooklyn or 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 somewhere in New York in in the city but she 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 heard these voices saying are you sure the coast is clear we just want to make sure before we come up you know the situation and the the kitchen staffer looked back down uh seemed to be bent over saying no it's good no one's here and uh and then she heard a scurrying kind of noise and then heard the sound of un uh, 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 bare feet, bare feet slapping against the the kitchen tile. However, they were they were not the sound of feet that she was used to. And the the view of these the uh, the owner of these legs <clears throat> uh, was was obscured, so she could not actually see who who was there. Uh, and uh, but she could hear the conversation, and the the gruffer voice said, "You have the goods." And the kitchen staffer said, yes, here, and and handed over what looked like a sack. And the sack jingled, and, and, um, and Elaine was familiar enough with that sound that it sounded like U.S., you know, U.S. currency. She thought maybe pennies or dimes. And as this, this, this bag was transferred over to the other one, um, she saw it... She saw she she didn't see much, but she could she could tell that something was exchanged for this this bag, and whatever it was uh, was kind of slippery sounding and and squelchy, but she wasn't sure what it was, but something inside her told her maybe this was the source, or this was the deli meat, the mystery meat. She desperately wanted to peer around to get a a look. But she, she was scared. She, she kept her space. After all, there were a lot of people counting on her. She couldn't get caught. She had to be patient. She watched the pair of legs deposit whatever they had in what looked to be a cooler case of some type. Um from what she could tell, before closing that lid and uh, promptly leaving the kitchen. Before they fully left, they uh, stopped again and, you know, gave another look around over the shoulder. Very, very suspicious behavior in Elaine's opinion before leaving. Elaine waited a solid five extra minutes. She counted the full... 300 seconds before sleep, slipping out from, the, uh, from, from her hiding space and crawling quietly to the, kitchen, to the, to the sound of where, she, where she'd seen the legs go for the cooler. She opened up the cooler and looked in and saw what looked to be 
some sort of meat that she couldn't identify. She, she wasn't even positive if it was actual meat. For all she knew, this could be an intestine she was looking at. It was rather disconcerting. Um, she really wasn't sure. She, uh, she stared at it, unsettled. Part of the problem was it was too dark, and she couldn't risk turning on a light, so it's not like she could get a very clear look at what this product she was looking at was. And it didn't contain too strong of a scent, one way or another. So she really wasn't sure what the thing was. It was the closest anyone had come to identifying the mysterious deli meat, possibly, if that even was what this was. But she still felt no closer to the real answer. After deep consideration, she wondered if she should just leave and call it here, or if she should continue or try to s gain more information. Really, truly what her next course of action would should be. And she figured her best bet would be to steal a piece of the meat for identification in a safer place where she could turn on a light and really, you know, study and look at it and get some uh, crowdsourced information. So she quietly crept to the knife rack took a knife and cut off a small sliver of this meat product. She acquired a plastic bag and put it and some of the ice, the, the meat and some ice from the cooler in the plastic bag, zipped it up and shoved it in her black sweatshirt pocket. She quickly closed the cooler, washed the knife. She had to leave no evidence. She used a paper towel to dry it and put the paper towel in her pocket as well because she couldn't throw that out here because what if they checked? And put the knife back where she'd left it or back where she'd gotten it from. The hard part was figuring out how to uh, get herself back up the window because she was supposed to leave the way she came in. And she had to do that without displacing anything. After a few failed attempts at just jumping for it, she finally managed to clip the ledge and, you know, get her, her fingers locked in and really pull herself up, you know, do a little climbing with the wall. Um, and she uh, turned and slipped out the window and dropped down next to Eric and John. John looked at her and was like, How'd it go? Did you succeed? Was it a mission success? And Elaine looked back and said, Yeah, but there's one more mystery in there I really do need to solve. So here. And she reached into her pocket and handed John the, the paper towel and said, Dispose of that safely and covertly. Tomorrow is cookout day. I want you to throw that in one of the grills when they're not looking. All evidence must be gone. Burn it. Nobody can see it. 
And then she turned to Eric and was like, Eric, you're a trustworthy guy. It's one of the reasons I brought you. This, and she pulls the bag out and showed it to Eric, is a sample of the meat in question. I want to be able to observe this under careful, in, uh, under a controlled environment so that I can, so that we can perform all the necessary experiments and observations to determine what it really is. So I want you to hold on to that and bring that back to bunk 14. We'll rendezvous there. But one more thing. I want you guys to lift me up one more time in there. I think... I think something about this meat isn't just mysterious, but who gets the meat is also mysterious. So I want to figure that out. And so the boys lifted Elaine, and she pulled herself up in pull-up form with an immense amount of upper body strength and willpower. And as her head crested over, she saw what she couldn't possibly believe. It looked like a small, grayish, bluish bodied creature with a bit of a pot belly. It seemed to not be clothed in anything in particular. It had long ears, a sort of longish nose, roundish face, and it was maybe about two foot eight to three foot five, somewhere in that range. And it looked at her, and she looked at it, and it said, Oh, crap! And then it scurried back into the into the tree stump and went, went disappeared into the darkness. She, in, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? In surprise, she let go of the, of the, of the windowsill and fell back down, uh, crashing into Eric and John, uh, and they all toppled to the ground and made some oofs and, and oofs noises as they, as they hit the ground and, and they said, what's wrong? Why'd you let go? And she said, I think, I don't know what I saw in there, but honestly, it looks like it's the same color as the meat. And I, oh my God. And then she, she started running toward her bunk. That was the night Elaine became a legend. For you see, they never figured out what the meat was. But no camper had ever gotten as close as Elaine did, and no one had ever managed to even steal a piece of the meat before. It had been passed around from bunk to bunk, consulted with the counselors. None of them could identify it. None of them knew what they were looking at. And soon, it went bad, and they had to throw it out because it was nasty. But that was the day Elaine St. Germain became a legend at camp. Unfortunately, the deli meat mystery remains a cold case. The end. Also, also, I really wish at the end there you had added in, like, they even brought, like, like when they consulted the counselors, they even brought it to the nurse at the infirmary. <laughs> oh, I should have done that. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> to be like... <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Mrs. McGillipuddy, do you know what this is? And and she's just like, I've never seen anything like that. Either. And even the nurse, the medical professional, the expert, yeah. they call her, yeah. doesn't even know. No um, idea. Um, that was a good one. That was a good one. I don't think we used the word predecessor. Fuck! <laughs>
God damn it. We could have, too. It would have been so easy. Her predecessors at camp or whatever. None of yeah. Oh, why didn't we say it? No, we have to go back to the community. No. Are you why? Fuck. Okay. All right. We lost. We, this we is left off the him. penalty box. So this is where we go when we fuck up. We have to read from a well of the worst fanfics, the raunchiest fanfics of the weirdest fandoms. My sister found one last time. That is. We would you like to off, describe it? We left off reading um, "Destabagel" by Mystic Moon High, um, which. Is from the supernatural fandom, not an obscure fandom, but a uh, interesting case, I guess. As the uh, characters Castiel and Dean are bagels, and the tags on this story are bagels, bagel apocalypse. This is what a hiatus looks like. I'm blaming this entirely on that crack, bagel blowjobs, anal, beganal, and it's in English. So. We are now reading it. Uh, we left off at, I can't believe it's I not butter. I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> A great wow, line. It's so really. smooth. I can't believe it's not butter, he said. Dean then became impatient and took Castiel into his mouth, moaning deep in his throat, moaning deep in his throat and causing vibrations to travel up Castiel's cock. He let out a long moan and ran his fingers through Bagel Dean's bagel equivalent of hair, losing himself in the sensation. <laughs> That's so lazy. <laughs> yeah, couldn't you say, like, seeds or something? Like, Cecil's or whatever? Um, final, fi <laughs> finally, Bagel Castiel felt like he was about to burst, and his breadstick was leaking delicious butter down Dean's throat. Dean, Dean continued to swallow down all that Castiel's, all that, ca oh, wow, okay, Gr grammar, please. Dean continued to swallow down all that Castiel's bagelhood had to offer, milking him like a cow bagel. <clears throat> bagel cow? Cow bagel. Dean Bagel loved the taste of his angel. Not even the Pillsbury Doughboy himself could make a more delicious treat. Dean, I'm close, Bagel Castiel said. Dean pulled out, bringing up, bringing up one of his sides to run along Castiel's length. I can't visualize this. Uh, butter on my face, Dean growled aggressively. You should be glad you can't visualize this. I want to feel you running down my glaze. I mean, it's very descriptive, but it's also extreme, like, just... Ge geometrically, I can't understand what's happening. Um, finally, with that, Bagel Castiel couldn't hold out any longer. He let go, his butter running in streams across Dean's face. Then he, qu then quickly, beginning to cool into white, in his butter running in streams across Dean's face, then quickly beginning to cool into white gooey substance. Eh, well... Dean Bagel Dean licked uh, licked a little off his lips, and he and Cass 
and he and Cass immediately hardening again. <sighs> Turn around and bend over, Bagel Dean urged. Bagel Cass did as he was told and felt Dean rise behind him, the reaching forward. Just yeah, I know it's it's a lot to stick his. This is so not kosher for Passover. Uh, <laughs> reaching forward to stick his bagel uh, fingers into Cass's waiting hole. Actually, that would be Cassus's waiting hole, based on how they have it written. It was gaping, inviting, and just the right size for Bagel Dean's massive bread dog. <laughs> <clears throat> Bagel, <coughs> Bagel Cass was fully prepared, and Dean couldn't wait any longer. He, he he slowly slid inside the hole, moaning out, moaning out the, moaning at okay, moaning out at the smooth texture. That was so hard to just like visually understand how to read. Um, oh, Cass, your whole, oh, Cass, your whole wheat hole. Wraps around. Oh, wheat hole wraps! <laughs> <laughs> oh, god damn it! I did good that time. You got through a lot. Okay. But I'm sorry, whole, whole wheat, wheat wrap got me. Yeah. It was the whole, I mean, the hole was there, but like when I saw the word wraps, I'm like, whole wheat wraps, I was like, ha ha Get it? Yes, oh, I get god, it. Oh, god, it's so stupid. Ugh, Cass. Your whole wheat hole wraps around my cock so nicely, he groaned. He gave Castiel a moment to adjust before he slowly began to pull out, loving the crumbly texture of Castiel's insides. He gave a mighty thrust back in, hitting Cass's sesame seed and causing the oh, other the seed. to gasp out in pleasure. Oh, it's just Dean, one sesame seed? I see. Dean, yes, Pound into me. I need you. <laughs> it's spelled K-N-E-A-D for all you listeners. Castiel choked out, eyes rolling back at his bagel head in pleasure. Dean smirked before he started to thrust in and out at a merciless pace, his baguette hitting Castiel's special sesame seed over and over again, causing the other's length to rise even more, becoming even harder, like stale bread. <laughs> oh, Castiel. Take it, you whole grain. What? <laughs> I'm gonna start using that. You whole grain you whole slut. Grain slut. I have to read that one more time. Oh, Cass, take it, you whole grain slut. <laughs> That's insane. Wow. I'm sorry. Whole grain slut is the funny. Whole grain slut is a band. That is a band. Yeah. Oh God, that, it's so funny. Wow. All right. This one is this. Thank God there wasn't much cream cheese here. I I feel like it like all but stopped at the second half of the story. The 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 cream cheesing, the cheesing, the cheesing. <laughs> but but wow. also some of those lines, man. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> the bread puns are wild. I'm I'm impressed, honestly. I know the needing, this person the really went out of their was, way. That was good. <laughs> I wonder if they work at toast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, um, okay. I'm rolling the D20. I'm sorry, the D4. <laughs> uh, we got. Uh... Okay, I have to roll again because it fell. We got a two. Oh, the misadventures of Bodega Cat. There you go, Liv. You got one. You got both. <laughs> 
What? Oh, code case and deli mystery? For some reason, I thought that was rave. Nope. Good job, Liv. This is a Liv. This is a Liv Santangelo episode. So congratulations to uh, to Moonstone Silence. The misadventure. I for some reason I thought we had already done two episodes and I or two, two stories and I was like, we're done. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did it. We're done. All right. Uh, and the word is. Scrupulous, adjective, playing great, paying, paying great attention to detail. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, good work. Okay. Uh, the Misadventures of Bodega Cat by Elon's sister and Ari's brother. You said Elon's sister in such a bored way. You're like Elon's sister. <laughs> Who started last time? I don't remember. I think it was me for the for the camp story. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, you. that was me. So okay, I'll start. <clears throat> In any and every bodega, there are a cat. There is a cat. There are a cats. There is a cat. What many don't know is that this is the same cat. And it doesn't teleport. It exists simultaneously. It is a Bodinger's cat. This cat exists simultaneously at every single bodega and also is only in one of them at a time, as you, the person, observe it. it this cat defies what we know as the laws of physics, but exemplifies the laws of quantum mechanics, because this cat is in every bodega. So. As you observe the cat and its adventures or misadventures, you're seeing the same cat perform these wherever you are in the world. It's one cat. This often leads Bodega Cat to feeling very misunderstood because people will often compare Bodega Cat to itself and they don't realize. They'll say, oh, he's not as cute as that other cat in the bodega that we went to on that, like, other crosstown. And bodega cat will get very sad and hurt by that because he is that cat from the bodega crosstown. But no one seems to understand this. It truly bugs bodega cat because... It feels like he will never truly be loved for himself and understood. In all fairness, he can't really understand himself, how he simultaneously exists and doesn't exist at every single bodega at any given time. It's a little bit mind-boggling for Bodega Cat and a little bit exhausting. There's a reason why he doesn't do much other than sleep at each bodega counter. He's not very playful. Some chide him for that, but it's because it's exhausting being everywhere and nowhere. People also comment and notice that he doesn't often drink his water or eat his food. But in reality, this is only because he is nibbling at food at every single bodega. Therefore, 
He's kind of always full. And always sated and not thirsty. If anything, usually he, he, he needs to pee. Or worse. The thing about Bodega Cat is that when he's feeling lonely, sometimes, occasionally, he can get a little snippy. There was uh, one instance I recall in, uh, in, in, in Williamsburg at a bodega there where there was a five-hour energy pack sitting right up at the counter next to Bodega Cat. And someone had just made a comment in front of me in line that uh, Bodega Cat, this Bodega Cat, was a lot lazier than the Bodega Cat from the bodega uh, several blocks away. And Bodega Cat heard that and did a cat swipe and knocked all the five-hour energies onto the floor. The store clerk, however, didn't react to this. Because the other little-known secret about Bodega Cat is that when you become a, ma a store manager at Bodega, they tell you this secret, that it's actually the same cat. Only the Bodega store managers understand Bodega Cat's feelings. And even they don't fully understand how it works. No one can truly understand Bodega Cat. Till one day, there was a new manager at one of the bodegas, a CERN dropout. And they were vastly interested in Bodega Cat. A CERN, a CERN dropout works at a bodega. I love it. They were so interested. They wanted to write a paper on Bodega Cat. They wanted to learn how that happened, how it worked, how quantum mechanics functioned for Bodega Cat and Bodega Cat alone. And so they began this new CERN dropout Bodega manager to really actively try to befriend Bodega Cat. See, none of the other managers truly ever approached Bodega Cat. They were very confused by the nature of its existence, thought the more superstitious ones thought it was some sort of omen or, or witchcraft, and the less superstitious ones just didn't get it and didn't want to bother. And, you know, a good amount of them were also just dog people who didn't really like cats that much. So, frequently, they kind of, you know, let Bodega Cat do its thing and didn't really bother with it. But this particular manager, this Bodega Cat manager who used to be involved with CERN, it began to actively talk to Bodega Cat and pet Bodega Cat and try to entice it with little bits of string and things like that. Since Bodega Cat had only really ever been treated sort of like a like a lazy employee by the managers uh, before, and not really like a cat, uh, this behavior confused Bodega Cat immensely. <clears throat> he had had the 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 cost the random customer come up and try to play with him before, and he was used to that behavior. But this was different. 
This was someone who knew the truth about Bodega Cat and was approaching Bodega Cat in a different way, in a, in a more consistent way. Bodega Cat was, was understandably wary of, of this, of this behavior from his new manager and couldn't figure out why his, this, his man, the, his manager seemed so, so fascinated. But Bodega Cat did what any cat would do when presented with string and began to tug and, 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 and tear at it. Um, and the, the store manager at the same time had a friend of his who used to work with him when he was at CERN but wasn't at CERN himself, hack into the security system of the other bodegas and view the camera footage of that cat so that he could see if that same cat in the other bodegas now had a string in its paws. But when he looked on the footage, he couldn't see Bodega Cat. He paid scrupulous attention, focusing as hard as he could on the grainy security footage. He even asked that manager to send him a little video clip or a, or a picture of Bodega Cat's little space. But Bodega Cat didn't exist in either the videos sent via text nor the security footage. It troubled him, but also he found it fascinating infinitely interesting because this was the Schrodinger's cat theory that the cat was neither alive nor dead. This was the the in-between, the liminal, that Bodega Cat somehow existed and yet failed to exist within Bodegas and Bodegas alone. It also made him wonder if Bodega Cat could leave a Bodega, what would happen? Would bodega cat ceased to exist entirely the way reality bent around bodega cat was so fascinating he began trying to do out the equations he wrote papers he, he began taking detailed observations to an extent that some employees wondered if their manager was truly managing or if he was just playing with Bodega Cat, who seemed to just eye him warily and somewhat play back occasionally. It was a little fascinating to see, honestly. They never expected Bodega Cat to really play. They'd never really thought to try before. Slowly, over time, Bodega Cat seemed to take a liking to this manager who paid so much attention to him. He began taking scrupulous notes about, about Bodega Cat and its, and its motion, its, its activities, um, as, it, as it cozied up to him and began taking a liking to him. Um, one thing he noticed is that when he would shine a laser pointer 
and the cat would play with it. If it got on the cat's fur, there was no point to the laser, which is impossible given what a laser is. It's directed light, and you, you would be able to see the point of a laser when it hits its target, whatever its target is, whatever its... whatever obstacle it comes in contact with, but the cat was not appearing to be an obstacle. And this further fascinated the... the, the manager. Now, Bodega Corporate was calling increasingly often about the... <clears throat> disarray that this store was falling into as a result of his lack of management but Bodega Cat fascinated him and he, he he devised an experiment to try and lure Bodega Cat out of the doors of the bodega to see what would happen so one day as he was playing with the laser pointer with, with Bodega Cat he had left the door open because it was hot, or at least that was his excuse. Really, he was trying to just leave Bodega Cat at the door just to see what would happen. He shined the laser pointer, and Bodega Cat, you know, followed it. He played around for a while before he brought the laser pointer to outside the threshold of the door. Just outside right on the line or right past the line I should say and Bodega Cat as any good cat is wont to do followed the light it pounced right on it <clears throat> and the strangest thing happened the end yeah alright I had All no right. idea how to end it either <laughs> Uh, Ari, Ari, I almost wish you hadn't said the strangest thing happened the way I wanted it to end, and you did exactly what I wanted, kind of, but what I what I wanted is, and then Bodega Cat pounced. The end. I was like, oh, what's gonna happen? Are they gonna, like, temporarily bend time together because he'll have taken a liking to Bodega Cat, and they'll somehow end up, like, Bodega Cat's, no. like... Temporal I, bent I, I, power will somehow rub off on <clears throat> the manager. In my in my head, I think it's the the universe is the universal rule is that Bodega Cat must be at all times in every bodega. Therefore, the moment Bodega Cat leaves a bodega, he's left every bodega, and the universe collapses. So th our story ended with the universe ending when Bodega Cat pounced, and then it's just over. <laughs> well. The strangest thing happened. The universe ended. <laughs> the <u> That's another title. The strangest thing just happened. The universe ended. I'll write that one in. The strangest thing just happened. The universe ended. Is that instead of whatever James Bond thing we were doing before? <laughs> oh, that's a good title name, right? Episode 11. The strangest thing just happened. The universe ended. <laughs> little dark um what'd you say it's a little dark um anyway so bodega cat and we use the word so we don't have to go to oh wait no, no wait fuck, fuck we're uh that was the misadventures 
of Bodega Cat by Elon's sister. And Ari's brother. And we don't have to go to the penalty box. Woo! Woo! We finally did one where we didn't go to the penalty box. And we Thank both used it, too, because I had him, like, I used Scroopy. I know you used it. I know you used it, but I had this brief blank second in my head of panic where I was like, did we use it yet? We can't go back. We can't go back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. All right. Well, Mazal Tov to everyone involved. Uh, congratulations to uh, a podcast called Title. This is a big anniversary. For being one a podcast episode... called Title. No, no. <laughs> oh. For for being one episode past our double digits episode. Oh. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Congrats. Okay, fine. I can go us. Toot. Um, anyway. Um, <clears throat> yeah. How about that ending? Oh, wait. Do we have anything to plug? Do you have anything to plug? Do, you, do we have anything to plug? Do you have anything to we plug? We didn't do this last episode. Um, nope. Or the episode before it, but we did it in a few episodes. So I guess, do you have anything to plug? <laughs> I can plug what I always plug, uh, I guess. They're, they're... <coughs> you don't have to. We could plug our Patreon. I don't know. Yeah, let's do that. We have a Patreon now. Go look at it. Aggressive! Wow! <laughs> we have a Patreon now. Go look at it. It doesn't mean like sign up for it. It's just like, hey, take a look. Yeah. The podcast ends something. <laughs> the podcast ends something like. Oh wait, let me get to the script again. Thoughts. The podcast ends something like this. Those were stories. These are titles. And this is a podcast. Dry your tears, everyone. We'll be back next time. And that was another episode of a podcast called Title. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in so much. And uh, we'll be back not too long. But uh, in the meantime, don't forget to check out our Patreon for bonus episodes like The Red Herring and Undersea Warfare.